Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Creators Lounge podcast. I am your host, Ben Jay, and I am so interested to talk um, to the guests today. We have a lot of stuff to cover and dig into. So, my man, please give us the introduction. What is your name? Where are you from? What do you do? So, my name is Mansa. I'm from Melbourne, Australia, and I make bass music. All right, man. Perfect. Thanks so much for making time to come on the show today. Um, I think you have a lot of good insight to share with the guests. So give us the origin story. Have you always been making music or like when did that become a part of your lifestyle? Right. So that's actually pretty funny because I remember all the way up until I was like, how old was I when I first studied? 14. I hated like, I not hated music. I hated learning about music. like we were forced in primary school to like be in music class and stuff. I always hated it. Um, I always found any excuse to get out, but eventually one day my friend in high school showed me uh, a flex show track uh, called Energy Drink. And I was like, what the hell, man? That's actually crazy. I want to play, <laughs> I want to like discover more of this. So I listened to like more virtual rights music and found like Pandora's and tons of these other that Dude. That was the first. That was the first like step into first of all electronic music. Second of all, like bro, I want to learn how this is made. So my friend showed me. The same friend showed me FL Studio, and he kind of picked it up for a couple of weeks, and he sort of lost interest. But I've just kept going, and I've been making. Oh man, that's wicked! I love that. It's so cool, and it's. I find it really interesting the kind of role that Virtual Riot plays in like a lot of our uh, our growth stories because I know for a lot of us, Energy Drink was the single that kind of pulled a lot of us into the scene or got us more interested in it. I want to know from your own perspective, what was it about uh, hearing this bass music for the first time that made you so interested in it? I mean, at the time, it was it was like nothing I'd ever heard. I, I've always grown up in a like household of uh, my dad likes stuff like metal. Pretty much it was like metal and pop stuff I grew up listening to as a kid. Uh, and so it was so alien to me. I remember literally a couple of weeks before my friend showing Virtual Riot, like my, my friend's like, so what kind of music are you playing? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, whatever, just whatever's on at the time. Like, I didn't actually have a, a music that I went to. I just probably chucked on like my parents' playlist. It was on some device that they gave me or something. But um. Yeah, so it was just so like left field to everything I'd been exposed to so far. And at that time as well, bass music and electronic music were really growing as a mainstream. So it all sort of tied together. It's made so, so interesting. Yeah, dude, it makes sense. I understand completely. Yeah, no, I think same for me as well and several others. It was so unique. It was so different. It was so energetic. Like, it really just was pulling you in to, to learn more and discover more. So for you, you hear that kind of music. You start learning about FL Studio. Now, I want to ask you another thing because you mentioned your friend kind of dropped out on making music, but you stuck with it. Right. What was it about being in FL Studio that you enjoyed so much? <laughs> I don't actually know if I have like an answer for that, man. It's just like, I, I don't know. I, everything about it was the learning process, although it was hard. <laughs> it, it's like actually one of the first things that I've done where I haven't found something hard and then quitted it immediately because I'm a huge quitter. Like, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm like, this is too hard, bro. Uh, I'm out. But for some reason, music just kept me so interested in what I was doing. And uh, like, there were always live streams being uploaded by people. Uh, by people, I should say, 
and like re re-uploaded by others. It's obviously a plethora of tutorials online. I guess there's an infinite source of knowledge out there that you keep on pulling from. It, it was the first uh, like creative uh, industry, I suppose. I took real interest. Stuck with it ever since. I don't. Yeah, it's bizarre, really, but. Dude, I love that though. It's so cool just to have something hit you from totally left field, like you said, and then you start making it and just kind of you gravitate towards it more and more. You don't walk away. It's really, really intriguing. Did you have any kind of artistic background like growing up, whether it was like drawing pictures or designing something? Uh, I always was a drawer. I got, I got pretty good at one point. I'm trying to get back to how, like, how good I was before my like creative focus since. As I said, I was probably 14, but up until that point, yeah, I did, I did do a lot of, but that was pretty much my creative. Gotcha. Yep. Makes sense. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then jumping back to the music, I, I did want to uh, kind of give audiences some some background on, on the sound, because I think a lot of the listeners of the podcast haven't heard your music yet. And right. obviously, there's different approaches to music. There's some artists who do like a, a running theme through all of the discography. There's other artists, you know, who try to make it personalized for every single song. For you, what are your ambitions with your music? Are you trying to tell a story? Are you trying to express emotion? What are the ambitions behind your music creation? Right, so th this will come kind of into branding that I want to talk about in a little bit well, but what I really want to convey with a theme for my music is to capture the retro sort of cyberpunk feel and incorporate that into dubstep, incorporating a lot of 80s synth, um, using lots of laser sound, just really old retro sounds, as I said, into dubstep to hopefully give dubstep a flavor of something that it hasn't had or on, at least not that I've seen. Okay, awesome, dude. I love that mission. It's really, really cool. Um, but I am curious where it came from. Where do you think that kind of inspiration to bring retroness into like the dubstep scene came from? Uh, I think it's probably uh, media that I absorbed a lot. So some of my favorite, uh, always been sci-fi. Like my favorite movie of all time is Alien. And man, that, that had like that's had such a huge impact on when when I was drawing things like H.R. Geiger. I'm sorry, I probably pronounced that name wrong. But, um, but um, yeah, his drawings were incredible at the time. Everything about that series I love so much. I think that's a big thing about sci-fi route with my... Um, another big inspiration I remember was seeing uh, Blade Runner 2049, where I draw a lot of my imagery inspiration. Um, and the, the soundtrack by Hans, incredible. Anyone can tell you that Hans is the absolute man. Um, and so, yeah, th those two different uh, forms of media. That just... Dude, yeah, 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 that's so cool. No, I mean, like you said, I think there's, um, I find it interesting, and it might be a little bit too deep, but I kind of feel like the older I get, the younger I get meaning that I go back and revisit a lot of my inspirations from childhood, whether it was like the movies I watched, or the music I listened to back then. And there's such like a, this like special gems that are hidden there in our past that we can pull out for the future, you know, and kind of recreate or work with things like that. So has it been hard for you? Because you know already what you want to convey and what you want to share in your music. Has it been hard to express it through your music? Has it been hard to bring it to life? Um. Well, it took a long time for me to... I, I would say about a whole year developed like what artistic direction really follow. Like I took a big break. I'm 
pretty much still am on a break of release, really, um, and just trying to develop full brand that I want to express. Um, but yes, <laughs> sorry, can I get you to repeat the question? I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Like, is it I'm difficult terrible. for you to express like those retro vibes right. and like the inspiration through your music? Right. Yeah. So at the start, it was it was um, actually quite easy in the fact that I had specifically chosen a path that would be easy to express, like on purpose. So I, I some of my original ideas of how I wanted to express my music was through in really industrial imagery. Um, like using yellow and gray colors like like the i don't know like tapes that you see that cover off like industrial areas um trying to incorporate like machinery sound music but i found that the more and more i try to think about it like how do i incorporate that fully into music and then eventually i sat on it for a bit more and i'm like here's something that i can fully incorporate into what i'm doing. have it easy to express that i can use 80 synths like there's a this the whole genre called retrowave about that one thing like i can incorporate that in dubstep easily it's already like there's already demand so initially i made the decision of how can i get this the best awesome awesome yeah no i love retrowave synth wave all those kind of throwback genres um <clears throat> literally last night as I was preparing for this episode, making the outline, that, that's what I was listening to, actually. It was a bunch of, like, uh, retro wave and modern takes on 80s music. It was great. Uh, I love that yeah. so much. And we're kind of talking about branding, right? We're talking about how mm -hmm. to express yourself and your music, you know. And I find it interesting because I think that so many underground artists like you want to express a certain feeling or a certain vibe or a certain theme but <clears throat> due to the budget restrictions or uh, lack of money or lack of time or whatever it may be you know they never do get into making music videos or doing promotional shoots or you know social content etc how important is branding to you share your thoughts on that oh man branding is the single most important it's actually more important uh, sorry, I shouldn't say more. It's just as as the content that you because you've heard the saying a thousand times. Like if you, if if a tree falls in a forest, no one's gonna hear it, right? So what you need to do is you need to create something different that no one's seen. Before. That creates interest. It's like seeing, let's say you're walking down an aisle of a shop and you see the same thirty hand sanitizers, for example, um, but there will be one that's a different color and it's got a cool design to it, you're going to look at that and be like, that one's different and keep buying it. The same can be said about a brand. You want to stand out from the crowd. You want to create something that hasn't been seen before and do it in a way that's engaging. So a way that I like to do that, um, and I shouldn't say I like to do that, a way that I've been uh, shown by a lot of my close music who are far better at it than I am, but I'll try to, <laughs> I'll try to communicate it is through things like imagery that relates to your sound. So in my case, I tried to incorporate the visual aesthetic of like the 80s cyberwave, um, cyber, sorry, cyberpunk retro wave kind of aesthetic and tie that into the music. That's obviously got a very clear sound imagery. Um, and keeping on top of your socials, again, posting imagery like on Instagram, it's super easy to follow like color theme. Cool. All these things that make your brand recognize is so, so important. 
Yeah, man. No, I agree 100%. Um, I think on two sides. One, like you said, the advertising and how people perceive you. And then on the other side, like being able to to be the artist you want to be and having pride in what you're creating and sharing, you know. You're not just like, you don't just have it in your mind. You're actually showing audiences. You're actually like, you know, developing it and sharing it with people. It is super. Yeah, that's it's super important. Do you feel like your branding has been effective? Do you think it properly conveys what you're trying to convey? And do you think people understand it well? Um, I think it's hard to say really, because I haven't actually put out that much content. I've, I've built up all the building blocks to start pushing content. The content's not 100% out there yet. I have a blog of a lot of tracks that are going to hopefully convey it more so. But I feel like the visual and branding aesthetic generally is very clear on what I'm yeah man yeah for sure for sure and i want to ask a few more questions when we're talking about branding because um i know that it is difficult for a lot of people to do maybe because they're not good at graphic design or they're not good at video editing and so they just kind of push it away and be like oh i can't do that so i'm not going to has it been hard for you or rather i'm sorry how have you created your aesthetic how have you created your branding have you used like other people to help you has it been all you uh, so uh, the biggest uh, help I could say was received from an artist named Tribe. He's an Australian artist. He's a very, very talented artist. Definitely check him out. He he explained it to me in the way similar similarly how I explained it to you. So he was definitely huge on how to convey and set it both um, sonically, I suppose, and also visually. Um, so yeah, that, that, all that helped how to build it up came from, uh, artists such as, him. uh, but all the ideas of how I'm actually going to convey what I want, aesthetic that I was, was all about, from, as I said, the inspiration, things like Alien, Blade Runner 24. Yep. Yep. I understand. No, it's cool. It's awesome because like you were talking about, that's why mentors, that's why influences are so important. They can give us like the game plan, but we have to flesh it out. We have to take the action, you know, to create it. So it's really, really valuable. Other thing I'm curious about um, is kind of the big conversation, qu uh, quantity versus quality, or rather how much content you're putting out. Because I do feel like generally speaking, more content, more more attention, right? And so, right. how do you feel about that conversation? Do you think that's true or not true? Um, I think both sides of the spectrum are true. So, if you're going to be constantly pushing out a track that you day every day, then sure there may be an audience for it, but the audience it's not going to be to a high enough quality the audience wants to back. So you're going to be putting out tunes, and they'll give it a list, and they'll they'll get that like that. Uh, I don't know how you say it, that satisfaction, I suppose, from your from your content, um, but it won't last because you haven't spent the time to fully flesh. It. But definitely, if I to have a like a upload schedule of your content that you want people to see, and allow yourself enough time in between each schedule to create a fully fleshed out song that has everything in it that you that you want it to have at the quality. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think I agree with that. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, 
we can't underestimate the importance of the branding and like the quality of how something sounds, but at the same time, if we're not being consistent, if we're not giving content to, for people to consume, you know, we're never going to build an audience because it's not there for them to, you know, to participate and support us with. Um, and that kind of goes into like, uh, building an audience. What methods have you found effective for building an audience and building a listener base? Uh, so a, a way that I find audience is, um, you have to act, it's all about your image. You don't want to be known as, I mean, you may want to be known as, but it, I think personally that it would be better to, to showcase yourself as an established artist that, that has something real to show at a very professional. You don't want to be someone who's like, hi guys, I'm a bedroom producer. And these are the things that I've been working on. You want to, you want to convey yourself as if you're already an established artist. And then these people will be like, you're creating demand that way. people will be like, I'm missing out on this artist who's putting out all these tunes at a professional level, conveying yourself. In. Um, and then people are like, I need to get on this. Cause as I said, you're man, and then you can supply for that. And then this is almost going into like a real business way of, thinking. you need the supply of demand. So that's a way that I found growing an audience really works. Like approaching conversation, like online conversations, and emails, um, and any way that you're showing yourself as an artist, do it in the most professional. Obviously, don't like, don't don't be all stuck up, but try to be as look like as much of an established artist. That's the biggest. Gotcha. How interesting. Yeah, no, I like you talking about like music and business inevitably get mixed together um, whenever you're an underground musician or a solo musician. <clears throat> Has that been hard for you to adapt to um, having to get into the business aspects of music or did it come naturally? No, this was absolutely not something that came naturally to me. I needed to I needed to like ask so many people, look up so many things to to work out how do I, how do I get this out to the audience? Like all I know how to do is make like a song and then I put it up and realize this is getting 200 plays and it's been a year. How, how do I fix this? How do I actually get people? And so, no, it's definitely not a thing that came in. I needed to do a lot of research. And I think, I, I honestly don't think branding is something that come to any human sort of thing that we're programmed for. I think everyone can how interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's cool though. It's I find it so interesting because seeing your progression, you talked about, you know, not being into music and then suddenly you get pulled into the music world, you learn all about it, about it, and then later, you know, you had to learn about business and you keep learning about it. I, I love to see the progression of your artistic career and also I guess your personal life as well, you know, as you become more adept at different skills and things like that. One skill you are particularly good at is doing live performances and doing DJing and, and stuff like that. I want to dig into this because I think it's really important. Also, right. I talk with so many artists who want to do live performances, who want to do DJing, and they don't. Uh, they don't for a few different reasons, obviously. Uh, it could be lack of opportunity, um, could be anxiety, social anxiety, or stuff like that. So take us back to the start. What was the first opportunity for you to perform live? What was that like? How did you oh. get the offer and how did you feel about it? <laughs> I'll tell you honestly, it's actually not a very pretty story, man. My first, and, and this will probably like actually comfort a lot of people. My first performance was a total train wreck, bro. It went nothing like I envisioned it to go. Um, so really, if I'm still doing performance and 
after that first performance, and I'll tell you about it in a second. And you absolutely. But my first ever one came from I was underage, uh, so the legal age to be like club where I live is eighteen. Um, I think I think it's twenty one in America to go clubbing, or that might. But uh, yeah, anyway, I just decided one day I want to do DJing. So I bought myself a two hundred and fifty dollar deck, pretty much the cheapest yet. I think SB two like controller. Um, and then I, I tried to learn how to use it a little bit, and then I'm like, all right, cool, I got the basics down. I can do this. Let me just email, let me just. I think I Facebook messaged a, like a underage event manager, and then I'm just like, yo, I want to play some like sets. Do you have any like openings for me? Just being straight up, like, the thing is that their promoters are always looking for people to do to DJ for them. They're like your employer, and they're always needing in a creative environment. Um, and so I just messaged them. I said, I got a, I got a set. Uh, the set wasn't exactly the music I wanted to play. I obviously wanted to play dubstep. It, dubstep doesn't really have that much pain down here. Or at least at the time it didn't. It has more of it now than thankful. But, uh, back at the time we were playing club bangers, if you will, just stuff that I was really interested in. It just, it just appeals to main club audience. I did this really weird thing where I like went into FL and cut all my songs into like sections that I could like play. I did it basically the most backwards way of playing set possible, and, and and it didn't work. Like I tried to cheat the system and make it easier for myself, but it ended up just making it worse. And songs stopped at places where I didn't want to, and there were moments of silence. It was just terrible. But uh, anyway, the next time it was almost a good learning experience. So I'm like, okay, I can't shortcut this. There is no way that I can get around this. I need to be good at. So I kept working, I did my next set, and it went fine because I actually put in the time and I needed that bad experience to teach me how to properly grow as a, as a DJ. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> at the time, it must have felt really horrible and really awkward and embarrassing. Yeah, sure. But ultimately, it did, you know, it played for the better. It kind of helped you out. Um, yeah. well, something I found interesting about your story is the fact that you looked at that difficult situation in a good light and you were like, okay, you learned lessons, you know, how can I do better? Is that kind of mindset natural to you? Um, where did it come from? Oh uh, yeah. I think that mindset has always been pretty natural for me. I'm just generally a very, very positive person. Pretty much any bad I look at and I try to find the positive. And so, yeah, I think that's just me as a person. That's not something I had to it's it's not everyone has that like a lot of people can sometimes dwell on the, the like negative things but i think to you can definitely train yourself to positive so i think it's been better yeah 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 yeah. that's what i found interesting is I, I know a lot of people would have that situation and then like never try again but like you said it's just so important what we choose to focus on if we're focusing on like the the fact that it went poorly and it was a total flop like you know we're gonna yeah. not want to do it again but if we're focusing on okay here's what i learned here's what i can do better you know we have more motivation to to try again so in that same vein that first show didn't go very well but you kept right. trying you kept developing what have been the hardest things about performing live? Oh, uh, well, the hardest thing, the, like, the first set that I ever did that was a proper overage dubstep event was I needed to learn things like how do I hold an audience? So you can play a track, but you need to know how to maintain a, le a level of excitement. Um, and that's something that I learned. It didn't necessarily go badly. I was actually, I still am very proud of my very first dubstep 
um, which was playing for uh, on the lineup of an artist called Godland. A friend that I made, and then that, like through the dubstep community, they said they run promo events, and now that promo event company is basically the base. And so it was just all through like networking, talking people I met gig, and everything went um, went pretty well with that gig. But uh, I would say that there were definitely moments dragged where I wasn't holding. So that was probably the number one thing that I needed take away from that all right how do i keep people on the dance floor for as long as possible and engaged and the best way to do that that i found to make a quick pace don't have long gaps drops the drop is what people are there for as in dubstep that's what people are there so you don't want to be starving them of that for like so that was when i keep that moment going build up after build up and keep on uh, and also knowing when to let people sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly, man. It's so interesting to me that kind of um, the the connection between those, like the drop, but also like the buildup and how like we have to kind of play with human emotions a little bit to try to make sure that everyone's in the, the right mood at the right time. It's really, right. it's really cool as a DJ to be able to do that. Um, and we talked about the embarrassing, the hardships that you faced. Uh, <laughs> to give it a little more of a positive spin, tell us either like what it's like to be performing in front of people or if you want to instead, what was the best performance you did before? Oh, I'll answer both, I guess. Um, so the best performance that I, that uh, you mean best performance or like favorite performance? Because I have, I have performance. <laughs> I think I've, I've had more fun with some performances, but Dude. I didn't. My 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 transitions weren't perfect, but I like I've done my favorite one is probably a beat of back to back, like you're on stage with DJ. That's made, um, and we were both. We have really similar tastes. Like pretty much every every time a new song comes out, the other one will immediately know and love that track. And so we just have like this link of tracks that we love. And so we got to do the set together and it went amazing. Like so many people thought it was like set of the night. I was so like wrapped with everything. Um, but yeah, I think that my best performance honestly is my most recent, which I supported Mode Step. And I was on open. There wasn't a big crowd or anything. I was playing uh, melodic um, music. Things like color bass and future bass, a lot of dubstep stuff like that. Um, but and that's actually a really, really hard genre. You have so many different keys. F normally sends, uh, sorry, dubstep normally say key of like or E, so it's way easier to. But uh, I managed to pull it off, and I was really proud of it. That's awesome, man. Congrats on that, by the way. Mode Step is an incredible producer, and so to be able to open for him, that must have been super exciting to do for sure. Yeah, it was. Thank you. And um, were you nervous at all whenever you had that opportunity? Or how did you go about that one, like, mentally? Uh, for, for that set? Or yeah, for, for that set specifically. For that set specifically, um, I've kind of by now grown to, like, what, what I'm capable of. I was, of course, the every I'm pretty sure every DJ will tell you before they go on, you have that in the pit of your stomach, like, uh, like, there is every opportunity to mess up. But for the most part, that's trumped by the confidence that I've gained playing sets. Also, I think that comes just down to my personality. I'm a pretty, uh, how do I say? It? I, I don't really get scared of like crowds. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty adept at, like working my way around that. I've never really been shy. That definitely helps, but it's not every, something that everyone. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, no, no, that's cool, though. Like you said, I think that um, experience does bring confidence. So the more you do it, the more comfortable you are with it. You know, there's no reason to be as scared as you are the first time as you were like the hundredth time you've done performing. So it's a skill you have to build up. You've already given us a lot of great advice for D- for people who want to become DJs, people who want to perform live. Um, is there any other tips you would mention to someone who wants to get into this scene? What, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say if you want to start getting sets, create a press kit. Um, I don't know what that, that is. There is an insane amount of info on what that is, but basically it's just compilation, uh, like a folder almost of all the things you can offer as a DJ, and you send that off to clubs, promoters, whoever. Someone who pretty much everyone's always looking There's no, like, there's no drought, I suppose, of, of like, searching um so create yeah go on go online search up how to create a press kit puts put all the things together that you know how to do. obviously you're going to lo- have to learn basically wherever how to do the basic. um but once you get up on stage you realize it's terrifying for like the first track and then as soon as that's over you're like all right i'm it's always the first bit. yep All right, man. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing those insights. We've talked a lot about performing the music and spinning the music live. We haven't talked too much about making music. Let's talk about creating music versus performing music. How are they connected? Do they influence each other and in what ways? Absolutely. So when I, before I started DJing and making music, I never thought about uh, how the way that I construct a song would have an impact on an audience. I'm like, hey, I like how that's, let's throw it in. But when you're creating tracks now, or when I'm creating tracks now, uh, I'm knowing that I'm probably going to be playing this audience. And I, in my experience, I've learned things like what audience like, um, things that they don't like, and I'm able to now incorporate that uh, into the music. So creating tracks um, with the intention of playing them live is also uh, very beneficial if you're, wanting, if you're already a, a producer and wanting to yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because like, once you get out of the studio and you're actually in front of people, like you understand like how the music's affecting them by watching their reactions, seeing how they're you know right. moving and vibing with it. So it can kind of affect you mentally with how you do the other stuff in the studio. Um, do you feel like it's been a beneficial thing for you, or not as so much? In as much as like how it affects your creativity. So for a lot of producers, like if they're in the studio, like they're just making what they want to make. Uh, you know, with no outside opinion or influence. Whereas after you start performing it live, you kind of have some feedback on like what people like and what they don't like, how they vibe with it. So has that influence on your music been a beneficial one or not so much? Uh, yeah, I think it's been beneficial. As I said, like you get to learn what audience what audience like. Now, obviously not every track I want to make is going to play dubstep. It's not the only show I produce. But when I am creating dubstep or any other patient, intend to play out i definitely know what things i want to know what things i want um and how they normally uh, play out so yeah it definitely has awesome all right very cool yeah it's great i think it's a it's a cool avenue that people should explore more because of the possibilities you talked about branding earlier and i feel like there's so many different avenues that artists can express themselves through so obviously like the song is the base level one you could express something through a music video express something through performances they all have like their different like uh unique 
intricacies to them that they have a different element of creativity that we can breathe into it and bring something to life even more. I know personally how hard it is to balance three, four, five different projects, you know, that are very separate. For me, it's like the podcast, social content, making music, uh, doing a full-time job. For you, obviously, you know, performing, making music, working, etc. How do yeah. you balance all of those activities? How do you keep your mind straight? Um, my, my answer is probably going to be like, not at all what a, a normal person would consider the right way to do this. But um, I'm a person that gets very bored very quick. I have a very short attention, even when I'm doing when I'm producing, I might do some production two hours and then feel like I need to go and do because I'm the excitement that I was having now left because I just have a short tank. So in a way, it's sort of a blessing in a way and also sort of not. Like it allows me to do short windows and get a taste of everything I wanted. So if I'm writing track and running out of ideas, I'll go and do it like jump on the mix and that's how i can balance my mixing producing um and obviously it works work you just you just gotta <laughs> gotta work you just gotta work on the stuff that you love outside of the day really there's no yeah man yeah absolutely no same as you like i'm in a similar situation my attention is not very good it's been something I've had to practice, but even after I've practiced for years, I still suck at it. So, you know, we have to learn our different strategies for how to stay plugged in on projects and how to get stuff done and everything. Scheduling is super, super important, absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna kind of flip the conversation a little bit. Um, you've talked before about how you kind of grew up around metal, pop music, and then getting to dubstep, which is a totally different field completely. But you have some interesting thoughts on the perception and the reception of EDM music to more classical genres. Share your thoughts on that. Yeah, so um, I had a conversation with my friends about this exact thing the other day, which inspired me to like speak about it. Um, I think a lot of the reason why dubstep and bass music is so appealing to both, it's appealing to producers and like an audience in a different so for an audience it the who, people who act listen to dubstep and other other bass um the things that they seem to like most is that the sounds that you're that you're creating are so far removed from a traditional way of playing that it then develops its own new interest and coolness so it's not uh, sorry, and and so the reason why that's so interesting for a producer is because this is the first like era in time that we can create music and not play. Music. So that's a so that's a very interesting way of looking at dubstep, and a lot of people who are like I don't get it. It's robot bloody, <laughs> it's robot dinosaur noises all with like drums and stuff. But that's what I think, and a lot of people who have talked about this think is so cool that it's so far removed from the traditional way of thinking about music that it then develops its own interest. Yeah, man, it's true. It's true for sure. It's a totally different world. It's exciting to see. Obviously, electronic music goes back to like the 60s and 70s, but like the era that we're at right now is very, very advanced from that time. And, you know, we have all sorts of new techniques and, and methods of music creation and things like that. Um, do you see any kind of connection between 
EDM dubstep of right now and the more traditional genres? Is there any kind of like similar playing ground there? Or is it totally different 100%? Sorry, I think you cut out for a second. So yeah, I'll repeat the question one more time. Is there any kind of similarities between heavy bass music now and more traditional forms of music? Oh, okay. Uh, is So I think that there is quite um, an, an impact that electronic music, heavy bass music has had on the more traditional music. Because we're seeing way more artists that are completely electronically inclined, like, like Marshmallow, like Martin Garrick, getting on the radio. And people, that that is what is now considered typical pop music. Um, so electronic music has definitely had a huge influence. Pretty much everything you listen to on the radio has been synthesized by a producer. It's very, very interesting. And I, and I a lot of people uh, don't really agree with that. Well, not, not, not that they don't agree with but um, they're not fond of the idea of music being created and not played, said. But for me, as a producer, obviously, I'm all for it. And I'm really excited how pop music heads with the influence yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree, man. And it is, like you said, the influence, you can see it everywhere. Do you think that's going to continue into the future or is it a temporary trend? Uh, I think it will. I, I can't really see any of it stopping. Like if guitar and playing guitar and piano has been popular as it is for as long as it has, that's just one that has maintained interest. When you're producing, you have... You can bend sound however you That is never not going to be. Yeah, man, exactly. There's so much uh, opportunity and potential in, in EDM music to create so many different sounds and flavors and feelings and emotions and everything. So it is super powerful. You may or may not have an opinion on this. Um, what do you think about artificial intelligence music, like music created by AI? I actually don't, yeah, I, I don't even think I have an opinion. I haven't even really heard or like looked into that at all. I'd love for you to actually tell me about it. I don't know too much <laughs> about it either, but just talking about how like right. EDM has kind of took over the scene and people are uncomfortable with that. Like, I wonder if they're ready for like whenever AI starts making music, you know? Right. <laughs> gonna be oh, okay. Okay. Like, like as in how, how we're going to respond, respond to music it, yeah. that respond to music that's created by for our convention. Right. rather than from an actual artist. I don't know. I, I think people will find that... I, f I think people will find that good music is good music, but liking the artist that you're listening to is also a huge part of music. So it's it's knowing the persona behind what you're listening to part of it. So I don't think at all that AI will ever overtake actual musician primary source or the way that we experience but I think, yeah, if a, if AI makes a song that's someone's favorite song, then that's just the case. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. You know, you can't argue with it. Yeah, like you talked about though, like the branding and the personality behind music is is so incredibly important. You know, um, that's what we care about. Someone creating something that's awesome and that we vibe with as well. Although, even if you jump to like looking at Japan, like things like Vocaloids, right, where they have like a character like Hatsune Miku right. or Miku or uh, Ren, you know, like they have a character already, even though it's someone creating the music behind it. So it will be interesting to see where the music uh, scene kind of goes in the future as far as artificial intelligence and characters and stuff like that.
Talking about the future, though, I want to hear about your future a little bit. Um, some people like to make very specific goals. Other people like to live just day to day. Where do you kind of fall on that spectrum whenever you're thinking about the future? Uh, I have always been someone that's terrible at goals. I hate creating them because I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't like setting goals in general. As you said, I like just day to day and then what I want to do on that day, how I'm feeling, what I want. Never. So, um, and also having deadlines, I feel like sometimes limit your creativity in the way that you want to have something done by this time and you're going to rush. Yep. For me personally, it could change. Some people live off deadlines and goals, but yeah, as you said, I guess like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect that. It's it's totally. I think it's totally fine as well. Everyone has a different uh, approach and different technique. We have to learn to embrace. That being the case, though, how do you feel about where you are right now with your with your Manser project? Are you at a um, good place, right, or is there changes you want to make? Um, right now, I'm I'm really happy with the with the branding foundation that I have. Um, I'm happy with the tunes that I have, like logged, uh, ready to be out. Um. So yeah, I think I think from here I've set up everything that I need to set up, and I'm really curious and like uh, looking forward to how it's going to go, and I I'm pretty confident how that's going to be received by. Fantastic, man! Super, super exciting. Um, you may or may not. Is there any specific um plans or things you want to do more within this year with the Mansur project? Uh um make better music i suppose sure <laughs> like uh, always just improving as an artist uh playing more shows just experience of my industry learning it. yep 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 no you're right man i think it's, it's about improvement right getting better all the time that can lead you to a, a more successful place as well um i love how you're really happy with you with where you are right now because there's a lot of musicians who don't feel happy with where they are right now you know they're very frustrated right. or they feel like they're still stuck so it's great to hear that you're in that kind of place i want to ask you and if you could just be as honest as possible in your own perception, right. what do you think are the qualities or the aspects of you that have gotten you to where you are right now? Oh, yeah. Gotten me that far. Um, I think... I think, think... Smart... Uh, like, being... How do I say? <laughs> um, choosing the, the easy way isn't always wrong. Um, sometimes choosing the easy way can actually be the smart way in the long term. So learning how to do at an easy level and that cuts corners sometimes can actually benefit. And I am master at body trying to cut corners all the time, as you can hear by like me trying to trying to work out how to do a set like all backwards and trying to make it <laughs> yeah. work when it wasn't going to. And that's that first time it didn't work, but eventually I keep on doing it and it has worked for the long run. So I think that, uh, yeah, an aspect is that I always like to do something the easy way, but I found that sometimes the easy way is actually the smart way. And then you can... Yep, 
Yeah, that's fantastic insight, man. It's like that. It's similar with the phrase "work smarter, not harder." Like you said, yeah. sometimes the easy way is the best way. We do need to be paying attention to make sure we're not wasting time or going out of our way to do an unnecessary thing when there's a very much more short and direct path that we could take. Uh, that being your strong point, is there anything that you want to improve on? Your strong point is, you know, taking the easy way and figuring out. You know how to get to the place most effectively. Is there a, a different skill or a different quality that you want to improve on and, and get better at? Um, I definitely, as we talked about earlier, want my attention span. Yes, like I very often create a song that I'm loving at the time, uh, and then we'll get halfway through it, and then I'm I'm bored. Of it. I said I have a short attention span, and I'll just like not I'll, and I'll never touch it. So I want to really. Uh, get better at finishing all the songs I write. All right, man, fantastic. And yeah, and yeah spending more time. On yep, yep, yep. So, no, definitely. I think that there's all areas that we're good at that we can keep doing, but there's also stuff that we can work on and improve. And I think it is important for our growth as a musician and as an individual as well. Uh, finally, if you're okay with it, please leave a message to yourself of one year in the future. Oh, geez, put me in the hot seat now. Um, <laughs> Take your time. There's, there's no rush. There's no rush. <laughs> um, uh, keep on creating ideas, ideas, even if they sound stupid. Because the ideas that sound stupid could eventually become something that's extremely experimental. All right, man. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. All right. Well, we always do have a few questions from the guests, so let's jump into that right now if you're okay. Uh, the first question comes from a user, Sumin underscore 98, and she asks, what does the Manser project mean to you? Um, the Manser project me means how I express myself creatively. Very good. The next one comes from a user with the name Herbizer, and he asks, where do you see yourself in 10 or so years? I'd love to say that I see myself playing at Lost Land, selling out shows. That's, 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 as I said, I don't have goals before, but I'm pretty sure that that's every producer to All right. um, be Fan. the headline. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> Everyone wants to be there in 10 years. <laughs> exactly. And the last one is from a mutual friend of ours, um, Akuma, who was on the show just recently. And he asks, when will you tour? When will I tour? As soon as someone wants to put me in their city, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Recommend man. me to your local event organizer and I'll make, I'll make my way up. That's right. If you're watching this and you want to book him, his links are in the description box below. Oh, man. Manser, thank you so much for coming on today, man. So much that we talked about, dug into. It was really valuable. Uh, for everybody who comes on the show, we have a last section called the speed round where I'm going to ask a very okay. quick question. You give a quick response. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. All right, let's get into it. Three, two, one. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite food? Lasagna. <laughs> Favorite day of the week? Friday. Favorite movie? Alien. <laughs> What's favorite song at the moment? Shelter OG Nixon. What's your guilty pleasure? Becoming a pretend swordsman. <laughs> what countries do you want to visit? <laughs> uh, Japan. What languages do you speak? English and Australian. <laughs> Name one person alive or dead that you want to have a conversation with. Uh, Alan Watts. And last question, how do you want people to think of you? As the kid that stuffed up the first time he played a gig, but eventually he took the world. Woo! 
All right, fantastic. Mansur, thank you so much, man. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, your experiences, both good and bad, and just for having this great conversation. Is there anything you want to say to the audience listening? Yeah, um, hopefully what I've said today has inspired someone to make something or do anything creative. That's, that's a goal. Inspiring people, and hopefully you become inspired by someone today. And yeah. All right, fantastic. Everyone, to you guys watching or listening, thank you guys for spending your time here. I hope that you took so much value from today's episode. I encourage you to follow Manser's uh, example. Even whenever you fail or mess up, like that's not the end. That's a stepping stone to the next level. There's always room for improvement. We can always get better, always become happier, and always achieve more. So keep your eyes on the dream and persevere and do not give up. Uh, as always, I am Ben Jay. Thank you for watching, and I will see you next time. Take care.